0: Your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Whoa, it's us! We're in a lot of trouble!
1: Welcome to the program. You're listening to another episode of the Joey Clark Radio Hour. It was going to be Mr. Spotlow tonight. Seth Bear, as I occasionally like to affectionately call him. But duty called for him. He's got a paying gig. and Well, so, we're here with our usual Tuesday evening guest. He was here last night in Troystead, Southern Wood. Who can you count on, Joey? You. You, Southern. You have, I mentioned it last night. You're like Mick Foley. Mick Foley, for folks who don't know, famous wrestler. One of the best wrestlers. I think he goes under the radar when it comes to like top performers. Because his matches are actually fantastic. He has great psychology, and he would do crazy, crazy stuff. But he wrestled under many names. He wrestled under Cactus Jack. That's where he kind of became known as a hardcore legend. Then he wrestled as... Mankind for the WW then WWF. And then they learned about his first character ever made as a kid when he was doing backyard wrestling, dude love. And then it just became McFoley. And there was one Royal Rumble where he came in and out of the ring as all three different characters.
0: Now was he not Hexall Jim Duggan as well? No. Hexal Jim is a whole other guy. Jim Duggan's a real man. Okay, well, he stole it from. Stole what? He stole Mick Foley, is what he did. I don't think he did. No, Jim Duggan's older than Foley. Well, then Foley stole it from him. Stole what? That stick. The The two by four? The plaid shirt, two by four. Oh, and the.
1: No, uh, Foley eh, has all sorts of iterations. Cactus Jack is nothing like Jim Duggan. Mankind's is a other thing. I love the story of. Vince McMahon, like Mick Foley, is the hottest thing. He was at WCW for a while. He was an ECW. He and he's beloved by other wrestlers and people like Jim Ross and other talent spotters are trying to get Vince McMahon to pay attention to Mick Foley. But Mick Foley's never been like the cut body guy like a Lex Luger or even a Hulk Hogan. He's yeah. he's big and he's actually pretty agile for how big he is. But he's he's got a big belly on him. He's just a big bone fella. And so he didn't look like a classic wrestler that Vince McMahon would want for his promotion. And finally, after pushing Vince and pushing Vince and pushing Vince, it's like Vince is like, All right, I'll bring him in, but I'm covering his face. <laughs> he just was scared of hell, as hell of Mick Foley. Um, and my point of bringing all this up is you've kind of become a, not just radio herpes, but Mick Foley of the radio. You have all these different names. In some ways, it becomes a different persona. When you take on certain names, I'm not going to reveal
0: all of them. Like you that were. that was—it actually did tickle me. Uh, a, a young, you know, children have a tendency to tell the truth. Yeah, when they're talking about you, not right. about themselves. Now, oh no, I mean they're going to lie. But they'll be honest. They'll be the first one to tell you breast stanks. Exactly, and and there was there was a, a younger person in the studio a couple of days ago. And that was one of the very first things that he said to me. He said, did you just use a different name every time <laughs> you come on the radio or call? And that's what I did. I just laughed. You know, I was that's like, good stuff. That's I was good like, stuff. son, that's just part of it. Well, and kids
1: are just brutally honest because they don't know any better. Though I was listening to an interview with Brad Williams. He's a very good comedian. He also happens to, he's a dwarf. Like it's, it's dwarfism, his particular one. It's kind of like Peter Dinklage in like Game of Thrones playing Tyrion. <laughs> Don't get started on Game of Thrones. No, well, I already ras- rustled some jimmies today on the Book of Faces. I put out uh, Game of Thrones. This season has remained fantastic. Changed my mind. Oh man, there were some good, there were <laughs> some good critiques. Hell oh, yeah, there were some good critiques. There, there are a few out there that people that are actually like novelists and do write for TV who had some good points. I still enjoy it, despite their points. The show used to be more character-driven, where the motivations and the goals of the characters meeting one another, meeting different obstacles, would drive the plot of the show. Because they condensed it down into a few episodes, the show's become a bit more plot-driven, like big events are driving what the characters do rather than the characters creating big events. I don't think it's completely... Betrayed character arcs, I think all that's actually been done pretty well. Um, and I recently rewatched the whole series. But there's a point to that. There's a point. But anyway, I put that out there and it was fun listening to people respond. But no, anyway, Brad Williams, I'm listening to him. He's a dwarf. Little person, but he is actually, it's uh, some fancy name, but dwarfism. And uh, he talked about the different ways people react to Seeing him for the first time, especially children, and he noticed the difference between like races of people. Like he, I believe, grew up in California, so like you know, kind of the bougie bourgeois white upper middle class people would be like, oh, "Son, don't look at him, don't look at him." Or they'd say he, the thing he said he hates is like he didn't eat his vegetables, or some stupid line like that. It's like no, he loves when a kid comes up and is just curious. And it's like, you know how some people have blonde hair? And some people have, you know, blue eyes or green eyes or brown eyes. Or they have, they look a little different. Yeah, I just have certain genetics that I'm a dwarf. And the kids are like, oh, okay, cool. Let's, like, they accept it.
0: Because it's pretty straightforward. But Yeah. It, I mean, if you walk up to someone like that and say, why are you so short? Right. Then you can say, well because that's why God made me. I, that's I'm, I'm a dwarf. And apparently, and this is a
1: great point, and I think his father did him a service. They said his father is a, a, a lovely man, an incredibly gracious and charming man, but on purpose, he was brutally hard on his son and constantly made fun of him for being little. And the point was to say you got to wear you got to have armor. You got to have a thick skin. Nobody's going to give you the benefit of the doubt. You got to learn to make a joke of your condition. What's going on? And it actually it led to a great comedy career. And I think there's a good point to that. It can go overboard, but if you teach say somebody, especially a kid, whatever their weakness is, if it's an apparent thing you can't fix, can't change, you wouldn't really want to fix it. If you you learn to love it.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, um, like that- learn to have a thick skin and just take take it as it comes. It's no different than if you have a lisp when you talk or right. you know you know a lazy eye or something right take it and use it. If you stutter, you know that was uh, one of my best friends growing up stuttered mm-hmm. but it didn't bother him right He didn't like it didn't shame him to the point that he was quiet and never talked. He would talk and he would laugh about the fact that he couldn't get words out. But but that's just hell that's just the way he was. And it's life. Yeah, and maybe you can work on it, but it's life. Yeah, yeah, well,
1: I mean, I mean, why improve it? That's the way you're made. But that's who you are. Brad Williams went on to say, you know, there'd be the Hispanic community, especially in like the Los Angeles area or Southern California in general, would speak Spanish, and there's all sorts of Spanish words for dwarf or midget or, you know, all sorts of pejorative bad words mm-hmm. that refer to that. And they would sit there and talk right in front of him, assuming because he's a white guy, well, he can't speak Spanish. they you just start speaking fluently in Spanish with him. And they'd be like, <laughs> oh, no! But he said, without fail, it would be little black kids that would come up to him and not thinking anything of it, that's walk up to him, and go, "What the hell is wrong with you?" <laughs> <laughs> and he says he loves it because it's a it's a learning moment, it's a teaching moment. Exactly, like, it's it's a kid just coming by. It honestly, like I'm not afraid of offending you. I'm gonna ask you questions, and kids are good insight into that. You know, I was checking out the uh, website here for Express Fitness 24 seven. Yeah, it's the Gym or I'm going to, is called Express Fitness 24-7, but their website is expressfitness24, the number 24, dot com. And they have one section on the page. They lay out different locations you can go to because mm-hmm. um, there's all sorts of locations all over the river region. I'm going to the location on Zelda Road, working out with, uh, I believe, the co-owner over there, Alex. Uh, just my I told you before we went on air my legs feel like jello <laughs> right now I'm going to be sore tomorrow. He's kicking your tail. Yeah, man. but I asked him to and I've I've seen gains, I've seen changes for the better. <clears throat> but they have a great section on the website again expressfitness24.com motivational quotes. I like some of these. I like I like Mark Twain. It's hard to beat Mark Twain. He said, yeah. quote, 20 years from now you will see if this is true. In your experience. Okay. Quote, 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things that you didn't do than by the ones you did do. So throw off the bowline, sail away from the safe harbor, catch the trade winds in your sails, explore, dream, discover.
0: 100% agree with that. Ding, 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 ding. 100%. I'm talking, if if you can get over that, I'm not with these 110% deals. But that is, there's no truer statement ever. You are, you regret the things you don't do more than swinging and missing. Right. If you, you got to learn to if, accept failure. Hey, if you take the third strike, you're always going to wonder, what if I would have swung? Mm-hmm. If you swing and miss at the third ball, at least you tried. Yeah, shot my shot.
1: And sometimes it works out. Sometimes it does not. You fall flat on your face. But, Hmm?
0: What are you doing?
1: I'm asking you. Are you, you still Are trying to send, like, secret messages? No, me. I'm
0: asking if you're still going. Oh, if going, I'm still talking about it, the gym I go going to? a spot. No, I mean... I, I don't want to step on the spot. It's pretty
1: straightforward, folks. I'm loving this gym I'm going to. It's month-to-month payment. No year-long contracts or obligations. 24-7 access once you become a member. I know somebody who just became a member. She goes very early in the morning, like 5.30 in the morning in order to get her workout in. She wakes up early. Why not go in early? But maybe you have a crazy work schedule and you can only go at night. Whatever it is, 24-7 access all throughout the year. So Express Fitness 24-7, I'm loving it. It's really, I've been talking about it, cross-training. Not because I'm about to compete in some like athletic event, but it's good for the mind. It's a discipline mechanism. And I'm going to try to take that compartment of weightlifting and getting some cardio in and take that discipline and that scheduling that you do, setting goals, and make it work in other areas of life. I'm going to get back into writing. And uh, I'm, I'm enjoying it a great deal. So try them out, folks. Just try it out. Express Fitness 24-7. You can find out what location is best for you at expressfitness24.com. And if you do go and sign up, tell them Joey from the radio sent you.
0: And they are
1: everywhere. Yeah, it's great stuff. From Clanton to Pine Level. Pine level. Prattville, Wetumpka, Millbrook, here in Montgomery as well. Uh, it's it's great stuff. I, I'm loving getting in the gym and getting in that routine. I've been doing it since the beginning of the year. and still going strong. We're already in the fifth month of the year, almost halfway through 2019. That's weird.
0: It's just weird. Uh, it, it, the older you get, the faster time goes. Though. It really does. And it's just like you know, okay. Nanny turned fifteen. Yeah. I mean she was born yesterday, but it's just you get used
1: to it. But we're having fun tonight and you know, this that was like just your palate cleanser, us having a little chit chat here. Old Southern Wood and I, talking about, you know, Brad Williams, the dwarf comedian and McFoley, the unorthodox wrestler with the many personalities, Southern Wood's many personalities, how honest kids are motivational quotes but just go out take your shot even if you fail it's better
0: than not
1: doing something and having those regrets
0: and and that's the thing the one thing I was going to add and I didn't want to step on your spot you were doing is we were watching a basketball game one night and this was years ago mm-hmm. and this was <clears throat> not the Auburn Virginia basketball game where Ty Jerome double dribbled it was not that game it was a different game and it was like a... I think it was a one-point game. And the guy got fouled with, you know, less than a second or a second point something mm-hmm. left on the clock. And he walks up to the free throw line to shoot. He got fouled on the shot. He And he walks up to shoot his free throws. And, and my wife, she looked at me and she says, Oh, my God, I would hate to be that boy. That's so much pressure. And I stopped and I looked at Wena and I was like, Are you kidding me? I would cut my left arm off. Oh, I'm glad you to, said arm. To be that boy standing on the free throw line with the chance. You've got the chance mm-hmm. to drop two and win the game. And she's like, Yeah, but it's so much pressure. If he misses them, they lose. And I'm like, Yeah, they do. But the game is in his hands. You know, it, if he does it, he wins. You stand in your backyard shooting free throws, practicing. That's what you're doing. There's no time left on the clock. You just got fouled, and you you prepare your whole life for that moment. Right. And he had the opportunity to fulfill that moment. It's a great moment. It's a great opportunity. And if you don't, then... At least everybody you shot the shot.
1: Yeah, everybody needs an adventure of some sort. Needs to feel that pressure, and it doesn't always have to be on in a sporting event or something like that. It doesn't necessarily have to be in front of thousands or millions of people, let alone hundreds. It could be a, a personal thing, uh, but it's good to take that risk and feel that pressure. No risk, no reward. But uh, I want to get really into the meat of the show tonight. I was mentioning to you, it's been a little while since we've talked about foreign policy. We could talk about. Trade with China. Um, It is interesting. Trump's latest threat to do $300 billion, uh, 25% tariff on another $300 billion with the Chinese goods being imported into the country. That would mean that a 25% tariff, because we've already done $200 billion, would be on pretty much all the goods imported from China into the United States. Mm -hmm. And the Chinese are getting all riled up over this. Hopefully hopefully they actually come to a deal. Uh, just from the point of view, the ideal situation is we don't have any tariffs. Um, the Chinese or us. That would be, in my opinion, ideal. Just from the idea of, I don't think taxes are, uh, raising taxes to make things fair necessarily works.
0: But I, mean, I agree with you to some point, but you know what China is not going to do? I can promise you. They're not going to pile up Nike shoes over there and keep them and wait until we drop tariffs. China, today, comes back to the table and says, okay, let's talk again. Yes. And that's, that's all this is. It is. This is the president strong-handing yes, China. exactly. And I am with you. No tariffs yeah. is the best idea. But you can't have... 20% on one end and zero on the other Or end. if you want tariffs and no income tax, I'll take that all day, every day, too.
1: I really would.
0: Nah, I hadn't thought about that.
1: That's how the country used to be. How the government, mostly federal government, raised its money what? was tariffs. Whoa, whoa, And duties whoa, on different whoa. goods.
0: Hold on. You, you mean income tax was not in the original Constitution? Right, right. Took one of those stupid amendments in the teens. So to, uh, it, at one point you could live in this country and make all the money you wanted and you got to keep every penny that you made? Yeah, I mean, you would pay tax for like w- when
1: you use things like roads and there would be a tax on goods and there were duties on certain products. And but just, for, I mean, just for just like making money. Property tax. No, but making money, it was like you were free to do it. Wow. Wouldn't that be a much better situation? I don't know. In my humble opinion, it would be. But that's
0: not being talked about, of course, of course, of course. But, but you can't get rid of that crap anymore. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, hell, in, in Alabama, we tax people that make freaking like $12,000 a year. I know. I still owe the state money. You know, thanks for reminding me. I gotta Anyway, I got to
1: pay that. It's not that much, but it's a lot to me. In terms of month-to-month cash flow, uh, but here, foreign policy. There's still the outstanding issue of North Korea. Um, we'll have to figure out if Kim Jong Un and the Trump administration can come to some agreement. There's still worry about you know Russian expansion or pressure being put in Eastern Europe and Russia's efforts in the Middle East. Uh, Venezuela is still an issue. But the hot topic today, because of things in the news, is Iran. But I want to really get into a piece here. It's from the National Interest uh, by a gentleman named Daniel DePetris. I like the National Interest a lot. You might have heard them brought up when, I believe, uh, then-Senator Jeff Sessions met was invited to some Gallo event held by the national interest, and Ambassador Kislyak for the Russian Federation was also there. That was some, like, secret meeting they had, even though the Mueller report shows that was mostly just pleasantries. What you would expect. Collusion. Right. But DePetrus writes this piece. And here's the thing with Trump. Trump really did run on, we've been fighting all these stupid wars, we wasted all this money, lost a lot of lives. And we should reassess our role in the world in this regard. The president's right. It's one of my, probably policy-wise, my favorite thing about Trump. Because um, I'm used to Republicans saying they want to cut taxes. I wish they'd cut taxes more, but that's a whole other issue. But the question is, are we heading to war with Iran? Despite President Trump's better angels. The question's been bandied about for, well, the last 40 years of hostile relations with the United States of Iran, always, you know, stirring it up. There was a time not too long ago when the Obama administration even considered, they seriously considered the use of military force on uh, certain sites where the nuclear program was going on for Iran. Nuclear enrichment was possibly taking place. Fortunately in my opinion, and this author's opinion I'm reading, the war talk dissipated after U.S. diplomats arrived at the conclusion that talking things through was far more constructive a way to resolve this issue than, you know, loading up the B-52s. U.S. Iran relations are approaching a dangerous inflection point. If President Trump doesn't wisen up and start putting out genuine feelers to Tehran for some kind of communication, which I actually don't think the president is against, personally, Feelers that are more serious than his off the cuff call me remarks at the White House. A situation that is now tense could escalate into a shooting war, which nobody wants except for, let's say, some very committed hardliners in the administration. Not Trump himself, but the people he surrounded himself with. The relationship between Washington and Tehran in general has seldom escaped its perennial horrendous state. But recent events of the last month have poisoned the well considerably. Through its actions, the Trump administration has made it clear to the Iranians that they are in no mood to negotiate, at least not with Iran's current posture. For instance, the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps... Has been designated as a foreign terrorist organization. This is the first time in U.S. history that an arm of a nation's military has been referred to in similar language as Hezbollah, Hamas, Al Qaeda, and all the rest. Washington is no longer allowing other countries to import Iranian crude oil without being sanctioned, a decision which will take hundreds of thousands of additional Iranian barrels off the market. That's got to smart. Last week, the White House sanctioned Tehran's raw metals industry, an action that will force foreign traders to shy away from the Iranian market if it seeks to continue doing business in the United States. The Trump administration's maximum pressure campaign against Iran is obvious in its intentions. Bleed the Iranian economy dry and force Tehran to sue for a settlement on America's terms. All makes pretty much good sense. All of these sanctions take place as Washington is building up military hardware in and around the Persian Gulf to intimidate Iran from lashing out. As of this writing, B-52H Stratofortress bombers, F-15s, and F-35As are engaging in what the U.S. military calls deterrence flights in the region. The same day American aircraft were circling the waters of the Persian Gulf. Trump was at the White House warning Iran not to play any games. If they, Iran, do anything, it would be a very bad mistake. This is what Trump told reporters. Iran, however, is highly unlikely to back down in the face of demands and ultimatums from Washington, particularly from an administration that views it as inherently adversarial and interested in nothing short of the Islamic Republic's full, complete, and unconditional surrender. The one thing Tehran would find more intolerable than the crushing impact of sanctions is raising the white flag because of them. The Islamic Republic has weathered stormier seas in its young history and came out the other side fully intact. The White House is in many ways pushing on a closed door, but it hasn't stopped them from trying. Now you have to wonder who is it that's pushing this? Well, one name comes to mind. Not necessarily Mike Pompeo, though Pompeo's long been a hawk on Iran, but it's really John Bolton. You know, back during the uh, the negotiations for the nuclear deal, Mr.
0: Mustache.
1: Yeah, he wrote a piece that was literally, I think the title in the New York Times was Bomb Iran. Like, he's just straight. You got to give Bolton this. He's straightforward, all right. And he's also very clever. You can't just knock him as some guy who doesn't know what he's doing. He knows where the levers of power are in Washington, D.C. He knows how to play the game in the bureaucracy, to put it another way. And he's very learned in history of military strategy and how to use a mix of diplomacy and military threats, if not outright war, to serve what he sees as U.S. interests. But Bolton and, to a certain degree, Pompeo are instigating or provoking a conflict with Iran would serve their unified purpose of throwing the Ayatollahs out of the corridors of power for good. Yet for Trump himself, rightly skeptical of launching dubious wars of choice and having committed to the American people, he would extricate the United States from pointless interventions – Picking a fight with Iran would be a direct violation of his campaign promise. More important, a military conflict with Iran would be a U.S. response wholly disproportionate to the threat Iran poses to U.S. security at the moment. Now, what we have not considered is if Iran actually attacks U.S. assets in the region. I think that's a whole other game. But if you're talking about another preemptive war, I think you would be greatly mistaken. And though it would be similar to the war in Iraq it would not be as easy as the war in Iraq. Washington is full of advisors, think tank scholars and pundits who believe that it's simply ir- impossible for the United States and Iran to coexist. And the only solution to the Iranian problem is to change the regime, whether by force or by collapsing Tehran's finances and instigating a widespread domestic revolt. But to suggest that the United States... world's only superpower with global power projection capabilities. As of this reading, that's the only superpower. But to suggest the United States is incapable or powerless to manage Iran is a severely flawed interpretation of the overall situation. Indeed, it underestimates the superior power of the United States and gives Tehran far too much credit than it's entitled to. Right now, diplomacy between Washington and Tehran is unlikely over the short term. The Iranians will likely bide their time and hope U.S. policy will change after the 2020 U.S. presidential election. And that's the thing. That's actually the big trend. Whether you're talking about China and their pushback recently, North Korea, their pushback recently, other parts of the world. Just generally, they're starting to push back more and more. And why is that? Well, it's because these people aren't dumb running these other government, in some ways, in my opinion, they're misguided they're not dumb they understand the American political process and they understand that yeah, Trump is big and tough and he seems a little crazy and we, he's unpredictable, we don't know he's, he really is running up that madman theory pretty well but uh, he might not be president after 2020 and they're willing to uh, I'm sure, let the president currently know that What the Trump administration can do, what they can do is decrease the tension before the situation gets to a point where avenues for de-escalation are further constrained. Trump must take control of the policy instead of leaving it in the hands of those who have been promoting unending confrontation with Iran for their entire careers. Bolton in particular. The simplest way to do this is by establishing direct lines of communication without necessarily removing the sanctions pave a road for dialogue. The American people don't want a war. The Iranian people don't want a war. Trump doesn't want a war. And the Iranian government, increasingly constrained by U.S. secondary sanctions, doesn't want a war. It would lose. It's not too late for the president to nip the worst-case scenario in the bud. Now, here's the thing. This last paragraph, and I want to get into this. The uh, American people as a whole, would you say southernwood that they are a bit fickle like they can change their minds pretty quickly
0: i wouldn't say they're a bit fickle i would say they are extremely fickle mm-hmm. they are they are and i'm being quiet on purpose i'm letting you get well i'm i'm done with reading out. this
1: thing but i want to quibble with what this author is saying the american people don't want war well generally that's true we have a good tradition of not wanting war but we also have a great tradition of being
0: stoked into war, especially since World War II. And wanting to prove that we are the strongest superpower on the face of the earth. Yes. Well, I mean, is, is that kind of what you're saying? Would you agree with that?
1: Or it's like the the evil of the day, the evil de jour. Like, it's the the media is a big part of this. Like, when I hear people freaking out about a given issue, it's like, have you been watching TV? (laughs) And the answer is yes. Yeah, so I would say the Americans can be, it's a complex, it's an author, I believe from the 30s. Garrett Garrett, that's a funny name. He wrote about America's complex of fear and vaunting, and I've talked about this before. But vaunting is like beating your chest. Like you said it earlier, we're the greatest superpower, the greatest nation with the best ideals ever in human history. Which, you know, actually doesn't take much to convince me of that. However, along with that vaunting and beating the chest, we're the best, we're the greatest, we're the strongest, we'll kick your ass to prove it. There's also the fear that with all that vaunting, we are very quick to go, ah! Scary threat on the horizon. Or say, "Ooh, this doesn't meet with our ideals, and we need to do something about it." You see that more come from the uh, the left, like with Libya. We got to stop uh, Gaddafi, this dictator, from committing a, a genocide. This is a humanitarian intervention. Uh, old author Isabella Patterson called them humanitarians with the guillotine. That they're you know they've got great ideals. Oh, this reminds me of somebody in a television show I've been watching recently. Uh, but yeah, they've got all these great ideals about saving the world from tyrants and terrible people. They have humanitarian goals and ends, but they're very quick to slaughter folks in order to meet those goals and ends.
0: And and see, I would separate the two because I want to get into something else. I don't know if we got enough time before the break, but the, I think that we are the greatest and there are A group of people in this country that have been, I don't know if it's brainwashing or if it's just Sesame Street or what it is, that everybody's got to be equal and everybody's the same, that they feel guilty about, oh, well, we are so much better than them, we can't go up over there and defeat them. I mean, that goes back, in my opinion, that goes back to the Vietnam War. I mean, that I could be 100% wrong. That could have been ended overnight. Oh, yeah. It could have been one military. Go in there, wipe out North Vietnam, and everything's over. Now, what that entails, you're killing innocents as well as... People fighting against you.
1: Well, and also that's what
0: damn war is, though.
1: But then also, LBJ is sitting there worried about if we're too effective and too strong and too swift in our victory. What would the Soviet Union do? Would that be too provocative? So he was micromanaging the war, hey, order to project power, but not too too much power. Look,
0: carpet bomb them too. Yeah, I mean, as far as military strength, I don't think anybody could hold a candle. To what we especially back in the 70s, nobody could hold a candle to us, and they could have wiped out North uh, Vietnam and says, All right, that's it, y'all take the country over. And if the Soviet Union wanted to rise up, be like, Come on, bring it, brother. And I mean. But that is nothing but might. That is not, you're not changing the minds of anybody. You're not changing the attitudes of anybody. You can't just rule through fear. No, no, you can't. And, and And that's the thing. But it's not our damn job as the United States of America to govern the rest of the world and make them think in the way that we would say properly. Why do we think we're right? Hmm. What if we're not right? What if you should have a king? What if you should be, you know, uh, uh, have a, a ruler that's a slave master and you force everybody to do what they want to do? Why is our system right? Well, we think it's right because it's about freedom and everybody has mm-hmm. the opportunity yeah. to fail. and Or succeed. Either or. That's the opportunity that we have in this country. And and slowly we're losing the opportunity to fail because no matter what, there's a safety net and you can make the stupidest decisions possible and there's always a dadgum safety net to catch you. Right. Well and I remember having this conversation with
1: libertarians say that you think you're right, and I would personally think you are right to say liberty, individual rights property rights, basic freedoms given to people around the world should be the rule. But it would be incredibly wrong to say, yeah, we're going to fight for that liberty by going on a permanent revolution and permanent war with all the nations of the earth until that goal is met. Because what have you done in the process? I mean, you've made a lot of enemies. You really... You have to be careful about the means you choose to to achieve your ends. You really do. Right. Because often war, what war does, and we've talked about this before on the show, what war does it's the health of the state. That it, it, like, if you're in total war situation, we haven't experienced this since the World Wars. But total war, maybe we experienced it some in Vietnam with the draft. But total war, the government takes over almost every aspect of our lives in order to fight the war effort. Like all your your freedoms go out the window. So in order to preserve freedom, we now have to dispense with it momentarily. And this is the argument you hear defending mass surveillance and certain spying techniques. We need these people to keep us safe, so give up a little bit of your liberty. Yeah. It, it is. You have to be careful with the means you choose, even if you dress it up in high ideals and humanitarian ends and liberty and justice for all. You have to be very careful with that.
0: You do, because with every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. Yes, yes. But I think a wise man said that one time. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well that's, pretty smart dude. It's physics, you know. Physics. Yeah. But I want to get into is John Bolton on the
1: outs or is he running the show? Because apparently there's some uh there's some problems between Bolton and Pompeo, which is interesting. You'd think the two'd be tied at the hip. We'll get into that a little bit and then see whatever
0: else comes up. Yeah. And there's a word you've been saying over and over and over. I'm gonna ask you about when we come back. A word? Yeah. Or the way that you pronounce a word. Sure. We'll be right back. I think I have an interesting take on it. Joey Clark. Joey
1: Clark. Oh, Welcome back. So is John Bolton in or out? Is John Bolton in the good graces of the president heading, or is he heading for the exits? That That is a great question. Well, and there are mixed messages coming out. Different leaks, different sources familiar with the matter. Like people saying, I'm hearing that Trump wants him out from a former senior official. But is he? Because... It seems like Bolton's full steam ahead. He just commissioned a prospective Pentagon plan for an enormous deployment to the region in the event of an Iranian attack. 120,000 troops. Not to mention all sorts of very expensive equipment. And for his part, the president has uh, poured cold water on talk of a Bolton ouster. He has strong views on things, but that's okay. I actually tempered John, which is pretty amazing. I'm the one that tempers him. That's okay. I have different sides. I have John Bolton and other people that are a little more dovish than him. I like John. That's what Trump told reporters not too long ago. But the president's assurances haven't quelled speculation in our nation's capital and capitals all around the world. And apparently the squabble goes even further, folks. State Department official and former senior administration official both report that Bolton and Secretary of State Mike Pompeo are fighting all the time. Now, you got to take this sort of reporting with a grain of salt. Who the hell knows? People have agendas when they put this stuff out to the press. But they're essentially claiming that Pompeo is all on board, enthusiastic about isolating the regime in Iran in and in Tehran. But he's fearful of an actual war because it would have ramifications across the whole Middle East. It wouldn't just be isolated in Iran. It'd be across the whole Middle East. And the situation grows more acute by the day. In recent days, the U.S. has deployed new warships to the Persian Gulf. And iranian Bakhtiari rebels have been implicated in an attack on Saudi oil tankers. There's a recent story in today's news that drones, armed drones were sent towards Saudi oil pipeline. so the pipeline was shut down. Now, Iran is, of course, saying this was a false flag attack by the United States. Iran, Iran.
0: Okay, no, just keep on talking. Iran. Why was it, and and here's my question to you. I've got you by 10 years, Forty-five. Yeah, I got you, bet you by, by 15. fifteen. Yeah, so I, I forty-five to thirty. Why was it through the eighties into the nineties? It was Iran and Iraq. I mean, you say what have you been saying all night? Iran. I r a n. There's no U in there. There's no er at the beginning. It's an i i ran. And it was i rack. The q u made rack. Why is it that we are conforming to a different pronunciation of these words? Unless you're changing the meanings of the states you're talking about. It was Iran and Iraq. You were Iranian or... And see, back in the 80s and 90s, Iraq were the good guys. Because that's who we were funneling money through to through the CIA and through different things to keep the Iranians tamped down. And now it's, all of a sudden it's... Iranians no, it's, right. it's almost like for me you're talking about a completely different nation which I know that it's the same one but it sounds different well, why would I think you change it's, the, it's like changing the meanings of words well, No, I think it's what as simple did, as uh, hold on hold on let me finish let me finish Jerry. Right. I know it's your show but let me finish my point what is the difference in the word Today, as we sit in a libertarian than it was a hundred years ago, what's the difference in the word of a conservative as it was a hundred years ago? What's the difference in the word, this is the big one, of a liberal? What was a libertarian, a liberal, a hundred years ago? Was that a good or a bad term? liberal? A liberal. I mean,
1: liberal used to mean something more like a libertarian or something
0: more like what some conservatives would advocate today. Exactly. And you you, you grab onto a word and you keep using it and twisting it and pulling it to your side and changing the meaning of that word and you've got the the older concept grabbing on to that that like, yeah, I'm i have always been a conservative. I've always been a conservative. Right, right. You know? And so I mean it will change again. Political terms are, are very
1: malleable in that. As for you you wanted to ask me about a word I'm pronouncing. I've been saying Iran. Um Iran. There's no E. Right, but I just there's looked at you all this comes down to is it's a foreign language and a foreign state named in a foreign language and I think what happens I just looked it up is I think the people from Iran actually add to it Iran like it's a e and then instead of ran it's like ron r a h n that's how they pronounce it and then there's Iran I mean it's just a matter of how do you say a foreign name in English.
0: I, I think it's it goes... It's like a
1: Muslim and Moslem. It used to be the Moslems. The
0: spelling was different. And it's just us trying to make sense of what we're hearing into English. I think it goes deeper than that. How far is it from here to Iran? Uh, 1,700 miles? I have no clue. Or is it uh, 965 kilometers? How far is it from here to Iran? Is it kilometers or miles? Are you going to conform well, distance to something? Distance is distance, but you're changing your vernacular yeah. to match someone else's understanding rather than talking to the people that you're talking to. And I mean, I'm mean, i not criticizing you, because everybody says it. it's like Pakistan. That's what yeah, the, Pakistan, the, the, the previous yeah. president said kept saying and I don't know where where Pakistan is still t- to this day I mean right. it's Pakistan right it's Israel it's not Israel, Israel or Israel or whatever yeah I mean don't and and the point I was trying to make is we try to conform into something that we're not instead of just saying hey we're in Alabama that's Iran yeah they're I mean, Iranians. I mean that's the entire. Um, oh, who was the? I dude just got that, in the habit of saying Iran and Iranians. Exactly. And why did you get in the habit? Because of listening to the TV and listening to yeah, how listening it's, to people talk about it. That's the way that it's being put forth in front of well, you. Well, and also and people
1: that have visited there. But
0: we're but uh, we're changing ourselves instead of being Americans well, and just saying the word it's Iran.
1: But the word is
0: an American. The word is a foreign... It, it, that's It's very
1: different than, say, the changing of conservative or liberal or libertarian or well, why progressive did, or whatever. Why didn't Those they... are actual words, and we're not disagreeing over the pronunciation. The definitions are changing on the political circumstances. With a foreign word, it, it doesn't necessarily translate into English. So there are different ways of pronouncing all sorts of words.
0: But the thing is, when you hear Iranian, it's not the same thing as... The Iranians. Because if someone my age hears Iranians, Mm. all they think about is those people on that plane that were held hostage. Because they were Iranian hostages. So to cool that down, now it's Iran. Iran gets $400 billion. That's not as bad as Iran getting $400 billion from the united states it, i think you're looking too much into it n- no I, I you i think you're not looking enough into it it's the same country it's the same country but it does not trigger because and and maybe it's my age a 20 year old has no clue about those people that stayed on that plane uh-huh. eating rice and freaking chicken for, what, 300 and some odd days and couldn't get off of it. But that was the Iranians that did that. It wasn't the Iranians that did it. Because now they're the Iranians. You can give them $400 was the Persians million. Dollars. It? But still and yet... No, I don't parse words. No, oh, th- that's what I, I'm doing. I think that's words. exactly <laughs> what you're
1: doing. That I, I get your point, but I think it's... you know. But it's,
0: it's I don't spe- think it's I some spe- way
1: of trying to soften the idea of a it country. It
0: most damn certainly is, Joey, because it's how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. You can't eat a whole elephant. You've got to eat it one bite at a time.